0: Your next Zoom meeting could be used to train AI. India is pushing ahead with their revised data privacy bill, several alarming new vulnerabilities in popular CPUs, and some interesting open source stories. Welcome to Surveillance Support 146, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news from the past week. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And I'm Henry from Techlore. Our promo segment this week, as always, we have Patreon. If you want to support us in a recurring way and get some things in return for $5 a month, you get to ask us a question that we answer on a Q&A segment, which is out later in the week for $10 a month or more. You get an ad-free segment that doesn't have this promo spot and also has a lot more of our uh, personal thoughts, opinions, commentary, analysis, stuff like that. If you don't care about any of that stuff, but you do want to support us in a recurring fashion where you can just set it and forget it, we have LibrePay. And of course, if you are looking for the maximum amount of privacy and anonymity, we have Monero. It's not recurring, but it is super anonymous and super private. And we thank you all for your contributions. Thanks for keeping us going and helping us stay on the air and making it a little bit easier to keep doing this thing that we do and pay for the hosting costs and the time and all that kind of stuff. Actually, on that note, I just wanted to make a quick note of I have... a a better camera. You guys might be able to notice. So, you know, this is the kind of things we do with your support, better gear and better production quality and stuff like that. So thank you guys. So with that, we'll launch into our highlight story. And you guys may have heard this one because this one was pretty popular and made the rounds. The original headline says, because there's two parts to this. The original headline says Zoom's updated terms of service permit training AI on user content without opt-out. So when this story originally broke, They said that this was a recent change that just happened in the latest terms of service on, I think, July 31st or something like that. However, a lot of people did some sleuthing and found out this actually went all the way back to March so what they did was they added two new sections, which establish Zoom's rights to compile and utilize service-generated data, which is any telemetry data, product usage data, diagnostic data, and similar content or data that Zoom collects in connection with users' use of their service or software. Zoom's updated policy states that all rights to service-generated data are retained solely by Zoom. This extends to Zoom's rights to modify, distribute, process, share, maintain, and store such data, quote, for any purpose to the extent and in the manner permitted under applicable law, unquote. So this is coming from the person who originally, I, believe originally found this. They said what raises the alarm is the explicit mention of the company's right to use this data for machine learning and artificial intelligence, which includes training and tuning of algorithms and models. This effectively allows Zoom to train its AI on customer content without providing an opt-out option, a decision that is likely to spark significant debate about user privacy and consent. Zoom justifies these actions as necessary for providing services to customers, supporting the services, and improving its services, software, other products. However, the implications of such terms are far-reaching, particularly as they appear to permit Zoom to use customer data for any purpose relating to the user acts described in their policy. So that's the original story. The updated version of the story, which came out just a few days later, actually, I think maybe even the next day. Actually, I think it was that afternoon. Anyways, it says Zoom changes terms of service to say it won't train AI on your calls without your consent after backlash. (laughs) Pretty straightforward. So a spokesperson pointed out that customers can disable the AI features and data sharing in the settings. They claimed that this feature is opt-in. I don't know if they were trying to say that it's always been opt-in or what, but they updated their terms of service to clarify that. They did specifically mention in this interview, in the statement with this outlet, that It's an admin who has to handle that. So if it's like a company account, your company admin has to handle that kind of thing.
1: I don't have a Zoom account, so I don't know how it works for personal accounts. All right. And then the data breaches. We're going to start with the Electoral Commission hack has exposed data of 40 million UK voters. So the personal information of about 40 million UK voters was exposed to attackers for more than a year after the Electoral Commission fell victim to a complex cyber attack. The incident, which saw attackers access the commission's email, control systems, and copies of the the electoral registers, may have affected as many as 40 million UK voters. This includes anyone who registered to vote between 2014 and 2022, as well as the names of those registered as overseas voters. While the commission has been unable to ascertain whether the attackers' exfiltrated data held on its systems, it says that data potentially impacted includes UK citizens' full names, email addresses, home addresses, phone numbers, and any person images sent to the commission, and any details provided via email or online contact forms. Nobody has been named as the attacker yet. The next one's pretty quick, but equally concerning. Missouri warns that health
0: information was stolen in IBM MoveIt data breach. So this specifically impacted members of Medicaid in Missouri, and the data included names, department client numbers, date of birth, and possibly benefit eligibility status or coverage and medical claims information. And also in at least two cases, social security numbers. Apparently, the Medicaid was just using IBM as like their
1: cloud provider, I believe they said, and uh, they just got caught up in this. Fear stalks Northern Irish police after catastrophic leak of personal data. In the late 1960s and 1990s, Ireland experienced a period of guerrilla violence known as the Troubles, a little history lesson, and more than 3,500 people were killed, according to Wikipedia, which included 52% civilians and 32% British security forces. Nate typed out this note here, but from what he understands, this is a period not talked about much in history classes outside of the area, but we both assume it still carries a pretty intense societal PTSD for those affected and who still live in the area. To the actual privacy and security side of things, thousands of police officers are today agonizing over their futures over a monumental data blunder, saw the police service of Northern Ireland accidentally publish the names and professional details, including, most sensitively, the base, unit, and duties of every single officer and civilian employee in the force. It also includes information on relatives and close friends. This is all a result of the wrong Excel spreadsheet being uploaded to a Freedom of Information website. What's the tie between these two things? The tie is from what the the way the
0: article kind of framed this is the police are like incredibly afraid of retaliation and violence. And I think it just the, the way they described it here, let me go click on it. But the way they described it is I think it had to do with the troubles that happened all those years ago. And I, I kind of got the impression from the article that it's something that as a culture, Northern Ireland hasn't really healed from. Here we go in the opening pari- or opening sentence. In normal societies being publicly identified as a police officer is just part of the job. In Northern Ireland despite a quarter century of relative peace the disclosure could be a death sentence. Even though it's been like 25 years since the troubles it sounds like it's still something that kind of lingers in the the consciousness. So I, th- I think that's, that's kind of why I put that little history lesson in there. Yeah, they interviewed multiple, multiple people who are all like, I'm really scared for my life and really worried by this. So if I'm wrong in reading too much into that, then I totally apologize to the people of Northern Ireland. With that, we'll move on to companies. And we will just start off with some good news from Google. Google's Messages app will now use RCS by default and encrypt group chats. RCS, I forget what it stands for, but RCS is Google's attempt at... Kind of standardizing end to end encryption for SMS. And, you know, there was a big thing uh, last year, I think it was, where they were kind of pushing Apple to adopt RCS and be interoperable. And of course, Apple said no, the infamous buy your mom an iPhone thing. Google's just been pushing ahead with RCS now. So, that's just kind of it. The company says it will now make RCS the default for both new and existing messages app users. In addition, end and encryption for group chats is now fully rolled out to all users. With this update, all conversations between users and message, whether one-to-one or group
1: chats, will now be kept private, Google says. All right. Intel's GPU drivers now collect telemetry, including, quote, how you use your computer. This telemetry collection service by default in the latest beta drivers are for its ARC GPUs and you can opt out of it, but we all know most people just click yes to everything during a software installation. Intel's release notes for the drivers don't mention this change to how its drivers work, which is a curious omission. Intel provides a long list of the types of data it collects, many unrelated to your computer's performance. Those include things like the types of websites you visit, which Intel says are dumped into 30 categories and logged without URLs, or information that identifies you, including how long and how often you visit certain types of sites. It also collects information on how you use your computer, but offers no further details on what that means. It will also identify other devices in your computing environment. Numerous performance-related data points are also captured, such as your CPU model, display resolution, how much memory you have, and oddly, your laptop's average battery life. Kind of a light week on companies. We're already on to research,
0: and it's been a busy week for research because Hacker Summer Camp is going on right now in Vegas, so... So we'll start with Inception, which leaks sensitive data from all AMD Zen CPUs. Researchers at ETH Zurich have now combined an older technique named phantom speculation with a new transient execution attack called training in transient execution to create an even more powerful attack they call inception. Phantom speculation allows attackers to trigger mispredictions without needing any branch at the misprediction source, i.e. create a speculative execution period or a transient window at arbitrary XOR instructions. TTE is the manipulation of future mispredictions by injecting new predictions into the branch predictor to create exploitable speculative executions. And that's that's like the summary (laughs) So the article is really technical and this is, you know, some really high level kind of stuff. But all you need to know is this combines a couple of other techniques to create a brand new way to extract data from those speculative parts of the CPU. The leak is possible even if all mitigations known to speculative executions like Spectre or transient control flow hijacks such as automatic IBRS have already been applied. Also, the data leak rate achieved through inception is 39 bytes per second, which would take about half a second to steal a 16 character password and 6.5 seconds for an RSA key. It sounds pretty scary. Intel claims that they've already got some fixes in the works. The article was really confusing for me because this guy says like, hey, it's possible no matter what. We don't have any mitigations. But then Intel's like, no, we released a fix for Phantom back in July of 2022. AMD, they say the exploit requires local access. So for example, you've already got to be infected. You've already got to have the malware, which we see that a lot with these kind of research articles or or proof of concepts. They also say that there are several updates already
1: that patch other attack vectors like flushing branch type predictions. And on a similar note, Intel is not unaffected either. So there's a new downfall flaw that exposes valuable data in generations of Intel chips. So they're releasing fixes for a processor vulnerability that affects many models of its chips going back to 2015 including some that are currently still sold. The flaw does not impact Intel's latest processor generations, but the vulnerability could be exploited to circumvent barriers meant to keep data isolated and therefore private on a system. This could allow attackers to grab valuable and sensitive data from victims, including financial details, emails, and messages, but also passwords and even encryption keys. It's been more than 5 years since the Spectre and Meltdown processor vulnerabilities sparked a wave of revisions to computer chip designs across the industry, and the flaws represented specific bugs but also conceptual data protection vulnerabilities in the schemes chips were using to make data available for processing more quickly and speed that processing. Intel has invested heavily in the years since these so-called speculative execution issues surfaced to identify similar types of design issues that could be leaking data, but the need for speed remains a business imperative, and both researchers and chip companies still find flaws in efficiency measures. The latest vulnerability, dubbed downfall by a researcher who discovered it, occurs in chip code that can use an instruction known as gather to access scattered data more quickly in memory. The fixes are being released with an option to disable them because of the potential that they could have an intolerable impact on performance for certain enterprise users. For most workloads, Intel has not observed reduced performance due to this mitigation. However, certain vectorization heavy workloads may see an impact. Intel says that it would be complex and difficult to carry out downfall attacks in real world conditions, but the attacker also emphasizes that it took him only a few weeks to develop proof of concepts for the attack. And he says that relative to other speculative execution vulnerabilities and related bugs, downfall would be one of the more doable flaws for motivated and well-researched attacker to exploit. He adds that it would likely take time on the scale of hours or even weeks for an attacker to develop the pattern or fingerprint of the data they're looking for, but the payoff would be significant. And the attacker also said, I probably could have sold my findings to one of these exploit brokers. You could develop it into an exploit, but I'm not into that business. I'm a researcher. He also adds that downfall seems to only impact Intel chips, but that it's possible similar types of flaws are lurking on processors made by other manufacturers. Okay. And our last research story is a fun
0: one. It says a clever honeypot tricked attackers into revealing their secrets. So for the past three years, a company called Go Secure has been running a honeypot. And quoting the article, an analysis of more than 100 hours of screen recordings from the attacks, an arguably unprecedented amount of data about the behavior of cybercriminals in action, shows the attackers gave away many of their most precious secrets. They inadvertently revealed the hacking tools they use and how they use them and what they do when they break into a system. Those foolish enough to log into their personal email accounts also handed over details about their lives away from the keyboard. Some attackers were sophisticated while others appeared inept. And some just behaved oddly. One person who logged into the machine changed the desktop background and logged out. And another wrote LOL before covering their tracks and leaving. Over the past three years, it has captured 21 million login attempts with more than 2,600 successful logins by attackers brute forcing the weak password they purposefully used on the system. They recorded 2,300 of these successful logins, gathered 470 files that were uploaded, and analyzed 339 of the videos with useful footage. There's a lot more in here. It's a pretty long article, but honestly, you can just kind of skim it. They just talk about the different kinds
1: of behaviors they see, the things they learned. The next story is politics, and it's going to talk about the White House, which has held its first ever summit on the ransomware crisis plaguing the nation's public schools. I'm going to keep this pretty brief because I think a lot of people listening probably already know about the kind of scope of this issue, which is ransomware attacks uh, on public institutions. And they go through a lot of stats that talk about how important this is and why it's a concern. But aside from that, I'm gonna go to kind of the update story here, which is the things they discussed at this summit, which is among measures announced at the summit, the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency will step up tailored security assessments for the K through 12 sector while technology providers, including Amazon Web Services, Google and Cloudflare are offering grants and other support. A pilot proposed by the FCC chair has yet to be voted by the agency would make $200 million available over three years to strengthen cyber defense in schools and libraries, which they say is a drop in the bucket, which is the CEO of the nonprofit uh, Consortium Consortium. Consortium?
0: Yeah, or Consortium, whatever.
1: Consortium for school networking. School districts wrote the FCC last fall asking that it summit much more. And Kruger said some $1 billion could be made available annually from its E-Rate program, which has helped expand broadband internet to schools and libraries across the country. A big reason has been the unwillingness of school districts to find full-time cybersecurity staff. In its 2023 annual survey, the Consortium for School Networking found that just 16% of districts have full-time network security staff, down from 20% last year. Okay, so the next story is also a really quick
0: one. The headline says, U.S. Cyber Inquiry Investigates Microsoft's Involvement in Data Breach. So Bloomberg News reported Thursday that a U.S. cybersecurity Advisory Panel is investigating the risks associated with cloud computing, which also includes Microsoft Corporation. The Cyber Safety Review Board, CSRB, will focus on risks to cloud computing infrastructure, including identifying and authentication management, and will review all relevant cloud service providers. The report comes after Senator Ron Wyden in July asked the FTC and CISA and the Department of Justice to take action
1: against Microsoft following their recent hack. Eight months pregnant and arrested after false facial recognition match. A woman was arrested in Detroit on charges of carjacking and robbery while eight months pregnant. She was held for 11 hours, had her iPhone seized to be searched, and after being charged and released on a $100,000 bail, she went to the hospital where she was diagnosed with dehydration and given two IVs a month later the charges were dismissed this is the sixth person to report being falsely accused of a crime as a result of facial recognition technology used by police to match an unknown offender's face to a photo in a database all six people have been black miss woodruff is the name of this most current woman is the first woman to report it happening to her on a sunday night two and a half weeks ago before police showed up to her door a 25 year old man called the detroit police from a liquor store to report that he had been robbed at gunpoint A detective with the police department's commercial auto theft unit got the surveillance video from the BP gas station and it asked a crime analyst at the department to run a facial recognition search on the woman. The article notes that in 2015, she was arrested for driving with an expired license. Five days after carjacking, the detective assigned to the case asked the victim to look at the mugshots of six black women. Her photo was among them. He identified her as the woman he had been with. That was the basis for her arrest, according to the police report. The city of Detroit faces three lawsuits for wrongful arrests based on the use of the technology, and she was embarrassed to be arrested in front of her neighbors and that her daughters were traumatized. They now tease her infant son that he was in jail before he was even born. Kind of on a tangent to this, Detroit police changing facial recognition policy after pregnant woman says... She was wrongfully charged. So this is the update here. The officers will not be allowed to use facial recognition-derived images in a photographic lineup, period. He said two captains must review arrest warrants when facial recognition is used in a case, among other changes. The new policies will be presented to the Detroit Police Board of Commissioners, and they said that there will be other evidence outside of technology for police to believe a suspect had the means, ability, and opportunity to commit the crime. Europe is cracking down after a rise
0: in direct action climate protests. "Quote unquote direct action," quoting the start uh, here at the start of the article. Uh, Simon Lochner had plans to glue himself to a German city thoroughfare in June to call public attention to climate change. Instead, he ended up in police custody before he'd even left his home. Lochner is one of thousands of activists caught up in a European crackdown on a wave of direct action protests that gathered pace last year, demanding urgent government action against climate change. Determined to prevent such protests from strengthening further, states in Germany and national authorities in France are legal powers often used against organized crime and extremist groups to wiretap and track activists. Reuters found, based on conversation with four prosecutors, police in both countries and more than a dozen protesters. Reuters could not establish whether European countries were coordinating policies or vigilance of the protesters beyond normal cooperation between police forces. A French government source with knowledge of the matter said intelligence services across Europe cooperated to monitor plans and activities. And then it just kind of goes on to give some examples. In May, police in several states raided homes of seven leaders of the last generation. Bavarian and prosecutors intercepted the phones of six leaders before the raids. Part of the investigation into classifying the group as criminal organization. And another conservationist, an organizer of the Reservoir Protest, who is not a member of this one organization that they are specifically mentioning here, was put under police surveillance by the government before the March protest, saying the surveillance was ordered under rules to prevent collective violence that could seriously jeopardize public peace. That process is overseen by the National Commission for Control of Intelligence Techniques, and surveillance in such cases must be authorized by the Prime Minister on a case-by-case basis. In an interview, he said that the surveillance included a GPS tracking device attached underneath his car and a camera placed to watch his father's house. In a January interview with a paper, a local officer confirmed that both devices had been installed. I'm, I'm kind of highlighting the surveillance bits here. The, this article goes into a lot of detail. And to give credit where credit is due, I'm cutting out a lot of detail here. This article talks about how some of these protests have very much turned violent and gotten out of hand, like crazy violent and out of hand. However, I think we, can, most of us would agree that it's a little bit of a stretch to say that we need to start arresting and wiretapping everybody and hauling them off to jail for up to 30 days without shoes on, which is one story that they shared here. It's just very Orwellian. They're surveilling and wiretapping protesters
1: in Western nations. We're here. And Norway is now set to find Meta, aka Facebook, ninety-eight point five thousand dollars daily over privacy breach. So this is going to start on August 14th, and the Data Protection Authority is going to find the parent company about 1 million krone per day for privacy breaches, including harvesting users' locations and using them for targeted advertising. Although the fines are scheduled to end on November 3rd, they say it could make them permanent by referring, to, by referring its decision to the European Data Protection Board. Even if Meta chooses not to abide by Norway's new rules and the fine was imposed for the entirety of the three-month ban, it would only add up to a fraction of 1% of the company's Q1 2023 profits. Let's talk about India. India is pushing
0: ahead with their data privacy bill despite pushbacks from critics. So India's lower house of parliament greenlit the revised data privacy legislation last week, even as the bill has received criticisms with many believing that it grants significant discretionary authority to the government. We covered some of this last week. The bill makes it mandatory for companies collecting user data to obtain explicit user consent before processing it. However, it includes quote unquote, certain legitimate uses as an exemption for data collection without consent. It also empowers the government to establish a data protection board and appoint all the members so you know including the chairperson and it also shields the government from any legal action the bill still needs to be approved by the upper parliament and the Indian president except not anymore because there's a follow up article later in the week that says that the bill was approved by the upper house on Wednesday so if I understood the article correctly all that remains is for the president to sign it and from what I've heard I can't
1: imagine why he wouldn't so my heart goes out to people in India that sucks I'm sorry guys Iraq has blocked Telegram, citing personal data violations. The telecom ministry said it has blocked Telegram over national security concerns and in order to preserve the integrity of users' personal data, which it said the app had mishandled. The ministry said in a statement it had asked the app to close down platforms that leaked the data of the official state institutions and the personal data of citizens, but the company did not respond and did not interact with any of the requests. They affirm its respect for citizens' rights to freedom of expression and communication without prejudice to the security of the state and its institutions. Telegram did not immediately respond to an emailed request for comment. We'll end with China, who is drafting a measure to demand individual consent for facial recognition
0: use. On Tuesday, the Cyberspace Administration of China, or CAC, unveiled a series of proposed measures aimed at regulating the application of facial recognition. The tech has been extensively employed in both the public and private sectors, ranging from facial scans used to authenticate payments in supermarkets to identity verification procedures at airport boarding gates, which is also common in the U.S. now, unfortunately. The proposed measures appear to provide individuals with more rights to opt out of facial recognition in specific circumstances, but they come with limitations. The utilization of facial recognition should be limited to specific purposes and full necessity, requiring individual approval or written consent according to the measures. The rules emphasize the need for clear signage in public areas where facial recognition is used. Venues like hotels, airports, and museums are prohibited from coercing individuals into accepting facial scans for such reasons as business operations or service enhancements. And moreover, facial recognition should not be the sole means of access to a building. When it comes to collecting facial biometric data from individuals under the age of 14, the consent of their parents or legal guardian must be obtained, and entities possessing the data of more than 10,000 individuals must register with a local branch of the CAC. The filing needs to explain the purpose of collecting such data and plans for data protection. Unless authorized by individuals, collectors are prohibited from retaining facial images in their original resolution.
1: FOSS, free yeah. and open source news. And this is going to be a quick one, it's from IVPN and they're introducing quantum-resistant wire guard connections in their applications. Uh, So this is an attempt to mitigate the risk and provide quantum resistance using PSK in addition to existing encryption. Yeah, it's not super long and there's some more technical details for people who wanna see the encryption. Just note that the approach doesn't make the connection entirely quantum proof as it still relies on classical cryptographic primitives. So it's just kind of a transitional thing that um, I'm guessing is just going to kind of enable people down the road to be able to use something that's post-quantum. But this is in all IVPN apps. And it's initiated by default, no manual action is required to enable this feature. So just update and uh, you're done. It also doesn't affect the latency or the speed of the connection. So it's kind of a win on all accounts, it seems. They are looking into including this for manual connections using a router or the native WireGuard clients. And then they shared some additional links for some information in the article. So cool stuff. And this kind of follows Molvad's lead. I think Molvad has done something similar to this as well. Speaking of
0: Molven, they have had an infrastructure audit from radically open security. They said, we have tasked the Netherlands based security firm ROS with performing the third audit toward our VPN infrastructure. We asked them to focus solely on servers that run from RAM, one OpenVPN and one WireGuard server. They stated, among other things, that while they did find some issues, quote, the Movad VPN relays which were subject of this test showed a mature architecture, and during the test we found no logging of user activity data, unquote. They did find one high, six elevated, four moderate, ten low, and four severity is- uh, four info severity issues during this penetration test. MOVAD does cover a couple of them. It sounds like if I understood the the blog post correctly, it sounds like they're in the process of fixing them. Not all of them were fixed right away, but they are now aware of the issues and they are trying to work on fixing those. I say that because this last sentence here, there are more changes to be deployed in the near future and the listed fixes are examples of the most interesting issues that ROS
1: found. So next story is from Mozilla and they're saying to prepare your Firefox desktop extensions for the upcoming Android release. So not too long ago, I I guess it's been a few years now, but they redid their entire... Firefox mobile browser for Android, and it got rid of pretty much all extension support with the exception of a small subset of extensions, while they say they were focusing their efforts on strengthening core Firefox for Android functionality and understanding the unique needs of mobile browser users. The update here is that today, when they wrote the article, Mozilla has built the infrastructure necessary to support an open extension ecosystem on Firefox for Android. They anticipate considerable user demand for more extensions on Firefox for Android, and uh, in the coming months, they'll launch support for that open ecosystem. It's safe to expect a rollout before the year's end. The rest of the article, which you should check out, is aimed at developers on how they can start making their extensions mobile friendly. Our next one's a quick
0: one. Anon Addy, the email masking service, the primary competitor, in my opinion, the primary competitor to Simple Login, has rebranded as Addy.io. Quoting the article, as a non-addy has continued to grow and gain more users internationally, I wanted a name that was shorter, easier to understand and more recognizable, unquote. So that's it. Nothing else is really changing. They're not selling to anybody. They're not changing business priorities, new target markets, any of that stuff. Just a simple name rebrand. Although they have added some features that, in my opinion, I think are, are pretty cool. So they're adding bulk actions for aliases, from name for each alias username and custom domain, control a username's ability to be used as a login, display from format for forwarded messages, new spam and phishing warning banner, new sort options for aliases, improved search for aliases, option to change default username, added British pounds and euros as a currency you can pay in, new display filters for aliases, and rules functionalities are now out of beta, and they are promising much more to come. So really big stuff, really exciting. If you have a security key, like a YubiKey or uh, something like that, you will have to log in and update that. You should have gotten an email telling you what to do. If you use their API, that address has changed. There's a new login URL, of course. And if you need to contact them, there's a new PGP key. So um, I'm definitely going to log in and check out some of the new changes this week. Sounds pretty exciting.
1: Tor is announcing the Tor University Challenge. Okay, they did this in 2011 and it resulted in 549 new relays. And by 2014, after they launched their second Tor Challenge, they had counted 1600 plus new relays. This time around, they're focusing on getting more Tor relays onto college campuses. Universities are especially well-suited for Tor relays because they often offer fast internet, have lots of technical expertise available, including professors, students, and IT, and value freedom of expression. Setting up a Tor relay on your college campus will help make Tor faster and better because the more Tor relays that exist, the better the experience of using Tor gets for everyone. So if you want to check out the challenge and any uh, details about it, definitely go ahead and check that out in the sources. And we did not have any misfits this week.
0: So we're going to go ahead and roll straight into our outro. You know, we talked about uh, Zoom training their AI, which unfortunately is happening a lot these days. You got to be on guard. India is going ahead with that privacy bill. Again, um, that really sucks. My heart goes out to all the Indian viewers. I know we have several of you, and that's really unfortunate. Several alarming new vulnerabilities and popular CPUs. But again, probably not a huge deal keep them on your radar but don't lose sleep and a bunch of interesting Foss stories this week you know some stuff from the vpns and rebranding and all kinds of cool stuff going on so if you want to keep us going reminder that we have patreon that's probably the best way it's set it and forget it you get stuff in return you get to ask us questions you don't have to listen to this pitch every time which we're as tired of saying it as you guys are listening to it i promise and you know you get a longer version of events if you prefer just to set and forget. But you don't want to deal with Patreon for whatever reason. We totally get it. We have LibrePay, that's always an option. And last but not least, we have Monero, which is the most anonymous and private way of supporting us. We see all of those contributions. We're very grateful for them. Thank you guys for helping us keep going. Thank you also for listening to Surveillance Report. Be sure to share the podcast around. You know, if there's any interesting stories that are relevant to people you know, be sure to share them. Make sure that you're subscribed. Give us a rating if you're on a platform where that's an option we're trying to reach as many people as possible with the message of privacy and you know every little thing every comment like subscription share the whole nine helps us do that so thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week with a q a later this week